Hey, church family, how are we today? All right, good, good, good. Well, we're kicking off a conversation uh, today. Uh, It's called I Love My Church, and those were some videos we made this last week of some people um, who we felt like uh, connected on some of those values that uh, we're going to be sharing with you over the next couple weeks. And uh, before we dive too deep into our conversation... Uh, let me invite some of those folks up. I want to invite up our advisory team and introduce some people to you. So where's all our advisory team? Can you guys come on up? A few weeks ago, we put up on stage our church staff. Really, all this in an effort for, for us to become one church, for you to know who's who, what's going on around here. And really, today's goal is to bring all of you up to speed with a conversation that began with these folks back in January. Um, and so let me tell you about what's, what's happening here on stage. These are some people that carry n- not a, a very formal title but, and, and not a very famous title. Um, therefore, Chad would not be a part of it. Um, but this is what we call our advisory team. Back in October of 2014, Christy and I began to pray, God, we need help. We need help. Uh, carrying the church for the last six years on our backs, um, loving this church immensely, uh, being gifted in starting things, I'm talking about myself, um, and getting the ball rolling and enthusiasm and, and keeping people on board with what the purpose and mission is, is great. But we need to rally with some people who are strategic who can help us make sense out of whatever the world we're doing, okay? And so we prayed for three months. And in, in January-ish, or December, I forget exactly, we invited these people after really prayerfully considering each one of them and asked them, would you help us go through a process? We had a consultant come in, one of the, one of the world's best Christian consultants come in. And guide us for six months, I at least said six months, it's been nine since then, a little longer than what they committed to. But I would like to say thanks to these guys for countless hours of praying through what, we get, what, what began as a survey to our church, to you, and what, what are we doing well, what are we not doing well, what can we improve on, what are some areas that we're missing and how can we be a church that prevails in, in the very best church we can be for God? What began with you materialized through this team, and we have a 150-page document of where we're going over the next three years. I mean, detailed. So I would love for you guys to say thank you to these guys making that investment in our church, which, which began with you. So thank you, guys. We love you. Appreciate you. And now you may exit the building. I don't think they realized when they um, signed on that they were basically taking on a part-time job for free. (laughs) So thank y'all. When you see them hug their necks, they are people that love this church, that have stories where their lives and their families have been changed here, and they've um, been serving and giving countless hours. So thank Um, y'all. We are starting a series. It's just going to be two weeks. It's going to be a a personal conversation um, where we talk about the church. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about this church, but really we're going to talk about the global church and what God's been doing from the beginning of time until now. Uh, I'm inviting my sweet wife up here because Lord knows that I need help. 
uh, staying on task when I am really, really excited about things. So we have a full set of systematized notes that I did not use very well last hour, and I'm going to try to do better at that. So let me stay on task here this morning. Really, today's conversation, whether you are a very first-time guest and you don't know about the church, God, you're really kicking tires. The good news for you today is you get to see what we're all about. You get to see our heart and our purpose, and you get to see behind the scenes of, of some plan, plans that we're going to enact in our church and how, we, how, we, how these materialized. Um, secondly, for those of you that might be regular church people and not yet connected to this church, you get to see the adventure that we've been on and how we're going to get smarter about it. And then thirdly, those of you guys that are on board, you're going to go, yes, they're finally going to get smart, okay? All right, no applause for there. Okay, so maybe you think we're smart already. Um, The bottom line is this. We really love this church. And when God brought my wife and my family here uh, just about seven and a half years ago, we we went all in financially, all our hearts, all our time, all our thoughts, we talk about our church more than we talk about our kids, and we talk about them a lot. And so we love this church, and we believe wholeheartedly that God birthed this church for a very special purpose. And so when we really looked at the last six years, we said we, there's gotta be, uh, we've got to be, we've got to make some adjustments because we are going so fast and having so many great things happen We've got to really get smart about how we're doing church and how we're doing this. And so today's conversation is going to allow you to peek behind the scenes. But I want to, I want to start this conversation out in a way that would, I hope, help us to see ourselves in the bigger picture, what, what God is doing in the world, and how that lines up and zeroes right into your very, very intricate personal selves. Uh, and the way I want to do that is first by, by praying and asking God to, to do that this morning, all right, and, and, and ask you to join me that God would speak to our hearts and allow him to speak through us today, and, and, and he would say only what, what he wants to say, okay? Let's pray. God, we love you, and I ask that in this moment you would help us to see what you want us to see. Would you be here in this place? God, would you perhaps take us to somewhere where we've never been before with you spiritually by aligning with this thing called the church. Whatever picture we have in our minds, whatever baggage we have of what the church is, God, I pray that you help us be the church, the church, in the way that you want it expressed to the world and expressed to our hearts. So God, speak powerfully this morning and ignite in us a fire in our bellies that cannot be quenched. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for you giving your life for us. Amen. Um, One of my get you fired up verses in all the Bible was a verse that we found in the early days of our church with uh, one of our founding uh, pastors, Justin Probst, who's a great, great pastor and great friend of mine to this day. We were, we were working through just, you know, writing some things down about our church, and we found this in the NLT translation, and this became like kind of the mantra of our church, because 
Things were, things were just crack-a-lacking in our church. So many lives were being changed. So many, so many stories were emerging out of all that was going on. And we found this verse, and I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is the awesomest verse in the world. And guys, you'll love this. Girls, it'll fire you up too. But maybe differently in a guy, I don't know. I don't know. Just me, I want to punch walls. I know that's not Christian. But I read this verse, and I want to just like go, like physically grab something and like break it and like go, yeah! And, and I don't know what that means, but that's how I feel. But Matthew eleven twelve says this, and from the, from the time of John the Baptist, that's like a long time ago, right? That's like early days of Christ's feet on the ground, his ascension. John the Baptist is saying, you know, actually he's there before Jesus, and he's saying there's a, there's a Savior coming, there's a Savior coming. He says, from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom, this is it, this is, this is, Get your teeth right here. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. That's us, the church. When we launched this church, we saw that the kingdom of God was working and happening here in Columbus, Georgia. And we were just hanging on. We were like, "Woo! this is an unbelievable ride. And what, what all that was founded on was this promise, Matthew 16, 18, where we got the name of our church, where all this began from this verse it says, and I tell you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus speaking about himself being like the, the most firm, solid, you bet on it, foundation. I'm building the church on this rock, the kingdom of heaven. Oops, I got in the verse before. Uh, I'm building this rock, and I will build my church. And it says, and the gates of hell, like all evil. All clamor, all struggle, all pain, all misery, all death, the gates of hell will not overcome it. That's how we founded this verse. That's where we got the name, my church. I will build my church. And we, we look at this thing and we think, wow, God is doing some awesome things. Now, to steer this conversation to where we're going today, our hopes is that we would build confidence in you today. Confidence, not in my leadership, not in a really sharp group of people who are really gifted at strategy, but confidence in Jesus. Now, let me, let me talk about confidence just for a minute. Suppose someone caught you at the gas station, and they pulled up in a car, and they knocked on your window and said, Hey, man, I got some good news for you. I want to pay off your car loan, if you've got one, and I want to pay off your mortgage loan, and if you've got school loans, I want to pay it all off. Can I do that for you? What would you guys say? Woo-hoo. I'd say, yeah, baby, come on, right? And if you're driving like a 1982 Datsun at that point, you probably, hopefully it had that paid off by now, okay? Just saying. Dave Ramsey, okay? Look him up. Um, that's just a joke, all right? Been there, done that, all right? Paying stuff off, trying to get things right. But what if, and, and, and here's what's crazy. If you didn't know that guy, like, or let's just say, say it was your weird, crazy cousin that pulled up. And he offered you all that. You kind of would roll your eyes and go, yeah, whatever. But what if like a sweet Tesla, I'm saying that because my son knows what Tesla is. It's like a sweet car and they make a four-door version of it that's really fast. But say a sweet Tesla pulls up and the tinted widow goes down and it's Bill Gates. And anybody know who Bill Gates is? Okay, he's the guy that makes $114 per second. 
You know, when he walks down a street, if there's hundreds on the ground, it's a waste of his time to pick them up. He is losing money if he were to pick up a $100 bill. That guy's rich, okay? So perhaps Bill Gates finds you at the nearest Chevron after church. You're gassing up. And he rolls down the window and he says, hey, I want to pay off everything you got and give you a little extra along the way. All of a sudden, you, you, it's, it's not just words. It's like this dude can back it up. He, here's the point I want to make about confidence as it pertains to the church. Jesus promised he himself was going to build the church. He promised these things. In the very same way where it was predicted that he would go to his death, that he would choose to do that, that he would be beaten and bruised, and that he would rise from the dead, he would ascend into heaven and come back and take all of us to be with him in heaven someday. Those promises were true then as they are now. In the same way that we could say Bill Gates is good for his money, the same way we can say Jesus can be followed and his word is good because what he's done. Let me say something that's going to sound heretical. I don't follow Jesus because of what he said. I mean, I, I trust God's word. It, there's power in God's word. But can I tell you, there's other people that have words, right? There are other in history prophets, good guys, that had a great language and said some awesome stuff. They were written down. You know what separates us our God, Christianity, from every other world religion, one thing. Our God rose from the dead, right? And any time a guy predicts he's going to be dead, and then all of a sudden you see a, a guy go, <gasps> and he gets up and he walks again, I'm on board. He's my fella, right? I'm for you, right? We don't follow Christianity because some verbiage. We can trust that God's going to build his church, and I'm all in on board because Jesus is a dead man walking. And we, we today can put our confidence in the fact that from the beginning of time until now, God has had you on his mind, the church. We could um, spend time today when Jeff talks about confidence, building your confidence in this church, and I'll, I'll say this just honestly and authentically, we have never been more excited about what God is doing here in my church. And next week you're going to hear some stories and some things that make this church very unique, and God has blessed us and gifted us in a unique way to make a difference in this city. But our, our foundation and our hope as you view church is to help you to view it the way that God views it. One of the things I love the most about this man, one of the reasons I'll follow him, um, is that he could care less what God does through him. He's just humble and honored to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. And one of the great things about the South is chances are you've heard the name Jesus before, you've been familiar um, one of the negative sides about being from the Bible Belt around here is maybe your view of Jesus and the church has been clouded by an experience that you've had that had nothing to do with Jesus himself, but had to do with humanity getting in the way. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is we desire with all of our hearts 
for us to be out of the way, for our strategy team that you saw up here to be out of the way, and for you to know what it is that Jesus, that God himself, believes about his church and about you. And I, I kind of describe it this way. I grew up with a mother who is from Detroit, Michigan. So if you came to my house um, when I was growing up, I would have told you, please do not drink the sweet tea. Because her idea of sweet tea was like a gallon with a teeny tiny teaspoon of sugar in it, all right? It wasn't until I lived in the South and I went to somebody's house like Susan Griffin-Hagen who started her sweet tea with two cups of sugar over the stove, you know, like she knew the right That's way easy to do sweet it. Tea. Um, there was no compare. What I thought was sweet tea was not sweet tea. I mean, it didn't taste good. I didn't want anything to do with it. And so maybe, just maybe, what you have known about church and about Jesus is something you didn't really want anything to do with because you had a bad taste in your mouth. And what we'd like to do this morning is just kind of hit a reset button. If you could possibly put out of your mind all the past experiences that you've had, good or bad, Good or bad. Some of you had great, I, I loved my growing up church experience. But it wasn't until um, we started planning churches that we really realized what God said about the church. And so I want to give you just real quick three um, pictures, three analogies that God himself used. Now picture this. God himself is trying to communicate to us human beings. And he's thinking, how can I get them to get it? I'm going to set up this unstoppable force called the church. It's going to be the greatest idea ever, the only thing that is absolutely guaranteed to succeed throughout all of history. How can I help people understand what it really is? And so he gave us three words. He gave us three pictures. The first is the bride. God himself called us the church. In Ephesians and in Revelation, he called us his bride. Now think about this. Guys, do you remember when you were about to get married? What is the one thing you could not stop thinking about? You could not stop trying to call her on the phone. You could not stop texting her if it's been in the recent years. You could not um, stop dreaming and planning about the future you were going to provide for her. That is how God feels about us, his church. We are the object of his affection. And very often... Um, we meet people who say, I don't need church. I, I believe in God. I'm going to heaven. I don't need church. And I want to say, but, but you're his bride. He loves you so much. Don't you want to be in the center of his affection and attention? And not that he doesn't love you if you don't come to church. It's not about attendance or checking a box. It's that when we come together yeah. as a group, we are the bride of Christ, and there is nothing he thinks about more. There is nothing he cares about more. There is no group of people he wants to communicate with more than his bride. So that's one picture. He calls us his bride. The second word that he gave us um, was his body. Jesus himself and God called us the church. We are his body. We're part of him. I don't know about you, but I've got a little ant bite right here on my ankle, and it is about to drive me crazy. And it is the size of a pinhead, but my whole body. It, it's not an ant bite. I was nibbling on it like two nights ago. Listen, he thinks I'm crazy, but I swear there are bugs in our house. And in the middle of the night, I'm always like, baby, something just bit me. And he's like, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. So the other morning I woke up, I'm like, I have proof right here. Get Call the bug man. Um, anyways. 
that's beside the point. The point is, when you have one little thing (laughs) itching your big toe or driving you crazy, your whole body is aware of that. All right? So when God wanted you to understand you're part of his body, when you're hurting, when you're having a victory, when you're struggling, he's aware of that. You might be the little pinky, you might be the fingernail, but boy, you are part of him. And it works two ways. Because when you're not a part of the church, meaning you're not connected and and plugged in and participating, then first of all, the body's missing something. I had a friend here the first hour, and she went through a season of her life where for different reasons and different pain, she just kind of pulled away from church. She loved God, but she wasn't a part of church for years. And I tell her, I'm like, Dwan, this place is missing something. When you're not here, we all know. You're like our right arm. You're the fun. When you come, the whole front row's filled up, and everybody's having a good time. And we're hurting when you're not a part of us. The other way of that is to think of it this way. What would happen if you took any appendage on your body and cut it off? What would happen? It would die, right? Without the blood and the circulation and the heart and the life flowing through it, you can do that for a while, but God never intended for us to live life separate from his body, his church, not this church, not a building with a steeple, not where your grandma goes, but the plan that he has to save and give hope to the world, he intended for you to be a part of it. You have a part to play. He called it his body. The, the last thing he called the church, he called it his family. I don't know how you feel about your family, but I tell my kids all the time, at the end of your life, this is it. <laughs> These are the people who are going to be there. These are the people who are speaking at your funeral. Nobody loves you like we love you. That's how God called his church. He said, you're, you're, not the, you're not just the object of my affection and my attention, but you are the heirs to the kingdom. And here's the deal. That kingdom is not something that we just look forward to in heaven. We get to experience God's kingdom on earth. Guess how? Through the church. You feel that when we worship together in here? There is no feeling like it. When we come together as a group and we are worshiping him, that is a little glimpse of heaven right here on earth. When, when somebody is hurting and, and Cynthia wakes up and her husband does not wake up beside her and all of a sudden 50 people are at her door loving on her, bringing her food, taking care of her, sleeping with her, taking her to the beach this week, that is the family coming together. That's what God intended for you to experience. And it's so much bigger than any four walls or any location that we could ever, ever have. Right now here today, my church, we're launching a church in Guadalajara, Mexico this morning. That's part of our family. Today, my friend Diana is in Lebanon meeting with Syrian refugee girls this morning. They're part of our body all over this globe. It has nothing to do with this little, you know, there's a verse that I love in Luke 12. It says, fear not, little flock. It gives me great pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, we're proud of our church. We got all these people. We got two services. And I love how God says, fear not, little flock. You're, You're just a speck of my whole plan, but you're my bride and you're my body and you're my family. 
And our hope is, this morning we had to say goodbye to a sweet military couple, rip my heart out. I can't stand you military people who move every two years. It kills me. No, we love you. We love you plugging in here, and, and this church is for you. But, but what I said to them is, you're not leaving us. You're just moving to another part. You're just going to be another part of the body. You're moving from the little right pinky over here to the little left pinky. You're going to Las Vegas. You're going to have huge impact there. And so our hope and desire is not just that you would love this church and what God is doing here, but you would love what he's doing all over the world. And you'd have the confidence to know that for the rest of your life, no matter where you go, no matter how far you try to run from him, he is going to send his bride and his body after you. You're going to hear some crazy stories about that next week. So the promise is that he's going to build his church. The picture is we are that. So this potential mindset that I, I know runs through the South especially, and probably a lot of America, is that Sunday morning is that complete expression. But I would say that's completely false. Because I believe when we think of God giving this incredible promise that we win and that I'm going to build my church, we've got to look at these pictures, the, the, the body, the bride, the family. We've got to look at these pictures and think, okay, if God is wanting to do, to build me, because I'm the church, you're the church, we become a Christ follower, that God comes in us, we become a part of the family. If God's building our church, then, then he's building our lives, Right? He's building our families. He's building his future hopes and dreams through us. He's building faith families who he wants to express through us all his love, shower us with his grace, so we can then pass that on to somebody else. So if you think church as only this gathering, then could it be you're missing a huge massive potential of God's grace and growth in building your household by being disconnected to the bride, the body. So that's, that's the idea of the confidence we could have if we're connected to God through His church. Wow, woo! We get to be a part of that faith family that's going to endure forever. Now, the other side of that is God's got a plan, right? God, I'm not all that strategic. I had to get some people to help, right? Y'all are smart people. Help me figure out what, how do we make heads or tails and how do we really capitalize on moving forward? God's had a plan. Like from the very beginning of time, God's had a plan. Let me, let me tell you about it. It's found really primarily in a great spot in Ephesians by a guy who's the least likely guy ever to have been a part of the plan because he was so messed up, so sideways against God, against Christianity, against Jesus. That it's cool that it comes from him when God got a hold of his heart because he became like really a big time part of the plan. But Paul talks about this plan in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this, and this is God's plan, right? Here we go. You want to know the plan? Sometimes we always ask God, what's the plan for me? Here it is. Both, here's the plan, both, for both Gentiles and Jews, that's everybody, Right? You fit into, the, into that category. You're a Gentile or you're a Jew who believe, if you believe in the good news, then what happens is we get to share in the equality of all the riches 
inherited by God's children. So if you're a part of the promise, being the church, then we get to share in all the good stuff that comes from God's awesome inheritance. That's good news, right? So Paul's saying, okay, that's who it's for, this plan. It's for us and others, as he shares that both are a part of the same body. Talking about that body picture Christy talked about. We both get to enjoy the promise and blessings because we belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and His mighty power, that's how we get it, by what He did, not what we've done. He says, I've been given the privilege. Like Paul's like, I was over here, but now I've been privileged enough to serve God by spreading the good news. Not like I'm just going out there spread mayonnaise or butter. No, because of what He's done in me, it just oozes out. It just comes out because He's been so good to me. Though I am the least deserving, like Paul knew it was not of him that his life was transformed, that he had hope of heaven and forgiveness. He said, it's the le- I'm the least deserving of all God's people. But he graciously gave me this privilege, or the privilege of telling others about the endless treasures. This is cool. The endless treasures. I mean, I'm, I'm in, again. Dead guy walking, endless treasures. Two plus two is four, like I'm in, Right? Does this, this sound like something interesting to anybody in the world, right? right? I know people that could really just long for this. Endless treasures available to them in and through Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning, but now he's revealing the plan. And guess who the plan comes to and through? The church. Us. Us. See, here's what's crazy. God wants to use the church. Check this out. Verse 10. Use the church to display himself. All his wisdom, all his glory, all his grace, all his love through us. So it just totally makes like 100% plus 100%, all the percent you could come up with, makes sense for us to say, I need to pay attention to this. I need to pay attention to what the church is and how how it plays a role in my life and how I pray, how it plays a role through my life to others' lives. It would make zero sense for the church to be just some gathering. It's more than that. It's sharing in the endless treasures of Christ and playing a role in the world. And it's not just building like the four walls. It's not just building the church. It's building your household. Because if I'm a Christ follower and God's in me, and I get to be a part of the family, then the benefits of being a part of that family shape me, right? Men, shape you. Shape your households. Shape your futures. And so this morning, I want to challenge us to just consider, maybe God wants you to be a part of the plan greater than you've ever been before. And I'm just going to interject on you real quick. Um, There are a lot of great causes in the world. I was volunteering with my kids on Friday, you know, for junior diabetes. And there are so many amazing causes. And we would never say don't be a part of that. But sometimes all of these great and wonderful things and all of your busy activities, they distract us. We're busy as families from from God's plan A. I think think what, what we could say is, there's a lot of great things out there, but the church ought to lead the way, right? The church ought to lead the way because there's only been one promise ever made to any 
thing that's going to stand the test of the time. I mean, one day, Apple will not, will not be here, sorry to say, because my alarm just went off, and I was reminded that I love my Apple phone. It just reminded me to hurry up and get done to help you go to lunch. But one day, Apple will not be here. Bill Gates will not be here, all right? Steve Jobs will not be here. What? Oh, he's gone already. Okay. All right, thank you. That's why I have you up on stage. So we ought to lead the way. And the benefits prove themselves over and over and over to those who are deeply connected to the body that God has given us. So here's, here's what I want to share with you. Here's the plan that God's been giving us, which started with you. You may not have known this, but several months back, last year, you were surveyed. How, when, where, what, exhaustive surveys. We found out some awesome stats, stats I've never heard of in a church before. 54% of, of our church was not a Christian or a part of a church before being a part of my church. I don't know of that anywhere else. So God's obviously doing something here. And so a conversation that started with a handful of people began with you. And I want to enlighten you, bring you up to speed with where we believe God's taken our church for the next three years. It's going to be part A today in the next three and a half minutes and, and next week. So here's some big picture goals that we believe were put down in print because of some prayer, long-term prayer and 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 walking through a, a C-fit process. I'll tell you more about that. Uh, but our vision, here, here's, what, here, here's, here's clarity coming to bear. Our vision is to reach every man, woman, and child for Christ in the Columbus Valley region and beyond. And here's what we believe has been happening, and here's how we see it happening in the next three years. By year 2018, we, we believe this church will be in three locations. You know, we've been working on one. We've got land out there. We're, we're working on trying to get some construction started, raising resources for that. But can I tell you right now, r- right after we prayed and came up with, we believe, for three locations, in the last three months, all of a sudden, we may have two more before we even know what to do. And I can't give you specifics because it's too much to let out the cat out of the bag because we don't know all the details. And if I say yes and it doesn't materialize and you're like, I thought you said so. But crazy God-sized conversations out of nowhere are happening and as soon as we said yes to following God by putting this out there in print stuff's happening so we believe in the next three years we'll have three locations one of being which the the big party house there on the corner of our new land okay that's just my expression it's not really a party house but please don't tweet that our pastor calls the church a party house that's right we celebrate we believe, we believe we're going to see double the attendance in the next three years. We average 600 people, but when you look at 40, 55, 45, 55% of us are not churched, even our top leaders in our church aren't here every week. We've got well over 1,500 people that say this is my church. But on an average attendance Sunday, we are averaging around 600 people every Sunday. Right. So in the next three years, we believe God... We're going to see 1,200 people, which means we need more locations. God, God is doing stuff in our hearts that we don't want people to come to us. We want to go to them. We want to go to near your house. We want to go to where your neighbors are. So you can say, hey, you don't have to go far. We can just walk there. It's awesome. 
We believe that in order for all that to happen, people really need to grow spiritually. I mean, like, okay, God, you're doing something to me. Let's figure this out together with somebody else, with some friends. And so we believe the number of people on a growth track means there'll be 50% of that 1,200 people uh, highly engaged in really being discipled, really growing. I like to s explain this goal because I'm an overachiever, and so I hate 50%. It just, if, I, if it's not 98 or 99.9, .9, it's killing me, okay? Um, so I want you to understand that for all of you overachievers out there. Because God has gifted us, and we believe called us specifically, this church family here called my church, to reach very lost and messy people who are far from God. We're just good at it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're lost and messy. Maybe because we talk about I'm it saved. in front of you. You're a little bit okay. maybe messier than I am. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I know this. When we were launching this church, we prayed and prayed and prayed about, you know, what God would use us to do. And so I remember looking at Jeff one day, and I said, let's just look in our wake. What has God been doing through us? I don't know why, but people who are far from God like you, I don't know why, but they do. That you, you, you break down barriers, you're good at that. And so we decided that we would give our whole heart and we would go after the people that nobody else wanted in their church. And we wholeheartedly believe that if we will love the people that nobody wants, God's going to bring us the people everybody wants to get it done. So we're kind of talking to two crowds over the next two weeks. If you are far from God and you don't really feel like you fit in church, you don't even understand what we're talking about, good, we love you. You're in a good spot. All right? If you get fired up about being able to help people who are far from God, we need you. We need your help to do the, these goals. And so the reality is at any given time, we're going to fight to have half of this crowd completely unchurched and far from God and half of this crowd growing in their faith and so excited that they want to take this side with them. But we don't want to ever have it just become about us and okay, now we're all knowledgeable and so, fat and mature. No, we always want to be so reaching out. we never, out. ever want to be a church full of Christians. Never, ever, 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 ever. Because we know that's not how the church was intended to be. Never. We want to be a church where people are fired up about Jesus, who are connecting with their friends from God, and they're showing up because we're doing such a great job of being authentic. And we'll walk through a bunch of values next week that are all the reasons why we love our church, why you love this church. Lastly, or almost lastly, to do all this, it's going to mean we've got some people that are, that are going to a whole other level of really developing. And we're, we're, we believe that we're going to see 100, 100 leaders new leaders emerging, able to take the newbies and hold them by their hands and say, hey, come on, go with me. I I've been down that road before. And able to help people move down the line of faith. I told a new little couple this morning, Almost this like 20-something. I just have to tell okay. this story. I told this little cute little 20-something couple about to get married. I said, listen, if we like it, we're doing something wrong. We're ready for the next generation. You know, when you say 100 leaders, baby, I, we got high schoolers sitting over there that are going to lead this church into the next generation. Mm. Absolutely believe that. 
And I want to say thank you and I love you to the Dan Brims and the people who put their preferences aside because you care about that next generation. And so sometimes... Like the loud music in the smoke. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Last ones. Uh, we, we feel like we're going to see 2,000 people's lives changed. Like, go from darkness to life. Like, bow the knee to Jesus. I need, to be, I need forgiveness and salvation. 2,000 people in the next three years. Um, and lastly, we, we, we see our church get into a place where 50% of us are actually trusting God with their finances and tithing 10% of their resources. I say that really, really, like, humbly, and also know that there's many of you that are freaked out about the church when it talks about finances. But this results in, this is a conversation that as people are growing, faith grows. And as your faith grows, your ability to trust God with the stuff that we think we need so desperately, God takes care of all that. Um, and I also read a crazy report recently that says in the next 20 years, the church is going to see a 70% decline in, in the church being able to take care of itself financially. So we say all this to say we, this is what we're seeing in the next three years. And there's a lot, there's, there's 19, out of these goals, there's 19 different initiatives that will lead us to these goals. One of those is a new website. That that's, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's one of those. And I want to give you a quick preview of that, and then we're going to close. And then we're going to dive into a lot more of this conversation next week. So here's a preview of our website. It's really awesome, cool. It's gonna, you're gonna just going to get on it, and you're going to scroll. You're just going to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And every, uh, every avenue, every place is going to be telling a story. It's going to be a very, very interactive interactive web experience. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna read less and watch more. We're going to have stories after stories after stories. Everything explained through, through video. Um, and and the, the one thing that we, we want to capitalize on is we've got hundreds of amazing stories of what God's done in people's lives right here sitting here this morning. And so what sells and helps people grasp authenticity is, is people saying, and let me tell you what happened to me. I was jacked up. Now I'm just a little less jacked up. Okay? I was really jacked up, and now, man, God's turned my life upside down. That's what we want to see happen. And so uh, what you're going to see emerge is not complexity in our church, but simplicity. We didn't take the last nine months and make it all complex. We simplified. Like the clarity we got just helped us to see, you know what, the church, you know what we do? It's really easy. We gather. We gather. We celebrate. Woo! We get fired up on Sundays. We worship. That's why our band's got to be the very best. We, we, we create experiences where you can bring friends. That's why gathering is important, but it's not all about gathering. We do three things. We gather. We group. That's why you hear, hear, hear us beating our chests and beating the drums of you got to get connected in a smaller community. This is a wonderful-sized community. But when you go home, you'll just look at the bald, you'll just remember the bald spot in the guy's head in front of you, right? That's all you're going to remember until you get connected with some group of, groups of people in your sphere of, of life that are going through what you're going through, and you can talk through life and, and meet Jesus together. So we're going to gather, we're going we're gonna to push gathering, we're going to push grouping, and we're going to push going because I'm telling you what, we are on a mission, we are on a mission. And we will stop at nothing 
to see God's name made famous. And we want to make it simple. So when you bring your friends, you go, hey, we do three things in my church. We gather, we group, we go. What's up? Bring it. Bring it. But it's going to involve, it's going to involve all of us committing to the plan. We're plan A. There is no plan B. And the great news is, the more you are connected to what God called his church, his bride, the more you are an appendage that's connected to the body, he will build our church. And you connected to his church, build your faith, build your home, build your kids, and we get to go on that ride together. So let's, let's, let's do this. Let's get fired up and let's start considering, God, what are you doing in my heart beyond the gathering part to where I can, I can enable that promise to be my personal promise? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your love. God, I pray that it would be exemplified through this church. God, I pray that you would use it and use us and leverage our, our brokenness in the scars. God, leverage those scars as stories and for somebody else's forever. God, I pray that we would be so on point and so crystal clear with so much clarity that we would see every man, woman, and child in this city and around the globe come to saving faith in you. God, I pray that you would touch people's hearts in this room right now, knowing that it was not an accident that they came here this morning to hear this word from you. God, I pray you'd raise up leaders, leaders, God, leaders who can, who can help shape this direction, shape this course, play a role. So, God, that there's no little kids growing up with no kids' ministry that could share Jesus with them. No, no, no men or women, God, that would not have a place where they walk through the doors on a gathering morning or gathering afternoon or gathering evening, whenever services might be in the future, that they, would, they, could, they could know that someone loves them, that they would know that they didn't have to leave their baggage at the door, but they could come in with all their junk and still be loved in the very same way, God, you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite our host teams to come forward. Let me make this crystal clear. I said this last hour. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to preach my best and get you fired up so today's offering spikes. Now, that'd be awesome, but that's not the goal. The goal for us is for us to every week realize that these funds are used to change our city and shape the world. Today, we funded a church that launched. We gave them funds, we gave them funds a couple weeks ago, like big chunks. We just, last week, took in $2,700, I think Ed told me a minute ago, $2,700 to help Vapor, who was here last week. And every week that you give, we give and we use those resources to make stuff happen right here in Columbus. So I want to say thank you, and I want to say, I want to say I pray God blows your mind this year. That as you have trusted Him with your stuff, that He would multiply it so you could continue to do what he longs for you to do. Be a part of plan A. God, use this stuff for somebody else's future, 
And God, use our stuff to break the grip of greed in our life and to keep us humble and to keep our eyes on you and to keep us helping to be always reminded that it's yours, not ours, and that you do so much better when you're in control of it more than we are. So God, I pray you'd multiply back as Scripture promised. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.